And tonight, I want to talk about joy. So we're going to talk about that a little bit. The anchor passage is 1 John 1, verses 1 through 4. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled concerning the word of life, the life was manifested, and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us, that which we have seen and heard we declare to you, that you also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you, that your joy may be full. Lord, we just thank you so much for this opportunity to come together tonight, Lord, and just share in your word. Lord, I just pray that your words are heard and not mine, and that we would take something away from what what you would have us to, to take from this, Lord. Uh, just guide us through the rest of this week. Help us to be a light to all those we come into contact with. Lord, we just thank you most of all for your son. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. In 1993, advertising agency Goodby Silverstein and Partners launched one of the most successful ad campaigns of all time. The first television commercial in this campaign centered around a local historian who was famous, who was obsessed with the famous duel between Alexander Hamilton and Aaron Burr. This man had built an entire museum around this event. One day he was listening to the radio show that said, this is our $10,000 trivia question. And the question was announced, it says, who shot Alexander Hamilton in that famous duel? This was his moment. Right? The historian frantically called to give the answer he knew so well, and to his surprise, he got on the line. Quickly and confidently, he gave them the answer, but there was a problem. He had just taken a huge bite of a peanut butter sandwich. And even though he exclaimed multiple times, his unintelligible words were not understood by the DJ, so the DJ hung up, and he lost his $10,000. The commercial ends with a very disappointed historian and two words, got milk. Right? You remember that commercial? This trademark slogan worked on a simple premise, get people to consider what is missing in their lives and why it's so vitally important. In this case, the, story, the historian's lack of milk to wash down his peanut butter sandwich cost him $10,000. He realized the vital importance of having milk in his life. All right? Tonight, I want to take that simple premise and apply it to our lives and joy. So what is joy? I'm sure you've heard many different definitions. I think we can all agree, though, that joy goes deeper than just happiness. Happiness is kind of fleeting based on your circumstances. Joy is more, uh, more continuing, more sure. It's a deeper feeling, deeper emotion, a state of being, if you will, uh, rather than happiness. It implies longevity. So one definition I really like and the one we're going to use for tonight's purposes is joy is an orientation of the heart involving a settled state of contentment, confidence, and hope. Doesn't that sound amazing? 1 yeah. Thessalonians 2.19 says, For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Is it not even you in the presence 
of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming. The ultimate experience of joy is being at home with our Savior forever. How can we get to that kind of joy? Until that day comes, where do we find this settled state of commitment, confidence, and hope? It's simple. It's in Jesus. Habakkuk 3.18 says, Yet I will rejoice in the Lord, I will joy in the God of my salvation. Isaiah 61.10 says, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord, my soul shall be joyful in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation, he has covered me with the robe of righteousness. The New Testament writings of Paul to Timothy affirm these Old Testament rejoicings in 2 Timothy 3.15, and that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. This joy is one of the fruits of the Spirit. This is one of the things that come out of us by having the Spirit within us and with our walk with Christ Galatians 5, 22 through 24 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. The psalmist found great joy in his salvation and his promised eternal home with God. In Psalm 21, it says, The king shall have joy in your strength, O Lord, and in your salvation. How greatly shall he rejoice. You have given his hearts, to him his heart's desire and have not withheld the request of his lips. For you meet him with blessings of goodness. You set a crown of pure gold upon his head. He asked life from you, and you gave it to him. Length of days forever and ever. His glory is great in your salvation. Honor and majesty you have placed upon him, for you have made him most blessed forever. You have made him exceedingly glad in your presence, for the king trusts in the Lord, and through the mercy of the Most High, he shall not be moved. I'd say the orientation of King David's heart was one of settled state of commitment, excuse me, contentment, confidence, and hope. In his Savior. When we're saved, we get this injection of joy. We're walking on the clouds, right? I remember that joy when I was first saved. I remember seeing it in the eyes and hearing it in the voices of my kids when they were saved. But sometimes, a lot quicker than we'd like to admit, that joy starts to fade. And sometimes, it may end up missing altogether. Before I go any further, though, I want to clarify, we're talking about joy, okay? Not your salvation. We're talking about our ability to rejoice in the redemption and find peace and contentment in what Christ has done. It's that settled state of mind. We can sometimes lose the ability to recognize the awesomeness of our salvation, but we can never, in fact, lose our salvation, the price was paid once for all, completely. Once you're born again, you can't be unborn again. Okay, I want to clarify that before we go any farther. With that being said, let's talk about joy lost and joy found. What could cause us to lose our joy? What could cause it to go missing? Maybe someone took it. Or maybe we just lost it. Right? How many of you have siblings? 
So, so, okay, so those of you who have siblings, you'll, you'll maybe connect to this story a, a little bit better. When you're a kid, you go into your room, there's this thing that you know you put where it belongs, right? But it's not there. What's your first response? She stole it. I'm pointing over here because there's my sister. So <laughs> she stole it. I couldn't have put it in the wrong place. She took it. She had to have, right? Have you ever come back later and, and figured out that, well, maybe I didn't put it where I thought I had put it, right? In my case, it's Tina. What'd you do with my keys? Jason, they're in your pants pocket in the laundry where you left them. <laughs> Tina, sorry. That's how it works at our house, right? We know the difference between something being stolen and something missing, but they're still gone nonetheless. So stolen joy, let's talk about that for a moment. The enemy wants to steal our joy, not just steal it, not just take it away, but completely demolish it. John 10.10 says, the thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. This is Jesus speaking. I have come that you may have life and that you may have it more abundantly. 1 Peter 5.8 says, be sober, be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. We have an enemy, a thief, whose life purpose is to steal our joy and every part of us that he can. Now, the devil knows he can't take our salvation, right? But he knows he can rob us of our joy and he can destroy our credibility as an ambassador of Christ. Our sin leaves an open door for him to walk right in and help himself to our joy, our peace, and our contentment. Right? Imagine this. You're sitting at home. You're watching your favorite TV show. An emergency alert breaks through and says there's a 400-pound male lion that has escaped from the zoo He's hungry because he missed dinner. He got out before they fed him, right? He's really hungry. Last time we saw him, he was on your street. What do you do, Brother Wade? What do you do? If, if there's a 400-pound lion on your street and it's hungry, exactly. No, but you don't, you don't crack the window, open the door, go outside on the patio and just sip some sweet tea, just kind of hang out. No, <laughs> yeah. so that's, no, no, that's not, that's not what we do. So why would we do that? Why would we do that when we know that the enemy is prowling about just waiting to pounce on us and to destroy us? That's, we wouldn't do that in, in that situation. So James, in James 1, 14 through 16 says, But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires, enticed, then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. It is much easier to avoid temptation than to resist it. Remove yourself from the situation. Don't hang out on the back patio and say, well, he's, the lion's probably on the other end of the street. He's probably already eaten a couple people, so he's probably not hungry anyway. And if he does get to my house, I'm just going to run in real quick. I got this covered. I'm okay. I don't have to worry about that stupid lion, right? That's not the attitude we should have. This lion isn't looking to come in and give you a little scratch or a little bite on the ankle. He's looking to devour you. 
He's looking to swallow you whole. And you think salvation throws him off your scent? No. The hunt is on then. Be alert, be prepared, protect your joy. What's the best way to protect your joy, though? Don't lose it in the first place. All right, guard your hearts. We spend thousands of dollars on security systems for our cars, for our homes, to keep this stuff that we have safe. What are we doing to protect our joy? Philippians 4, 4 through 7 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ. Rejoice. Spend some time in prayer. Spend some time in the Word. Guard your hearts. This sin that has left an open door for the devil to rob you of your joy, get rid of it. Confess it. Ask forgiveness. Let God shut the door. Follow his commandments to help keep that door shut. 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us all our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. John 15, 9 through 11, as the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. One of the next things that keeps us from retaining our joy, causes us to lose our joy, is simply forgetting about God. You say, I can never forget about God. I go to church every week. I listen to Christian music. I wear Christian t-shirts. I wear bracelets that say WWJD on them. I would never forget about God, right? Let me allow you to let me just illustrate for a moment, okay? I'm a, I'm a child of the 80s. All right, first of all, the 80s were super weird. There's a lot of things that happened in the 80s, music-wise and toy-wise and that kind of thing. So just I'll preface that before this story. When I was a kid, my go-to superhero was not Superman or Batman or Spider-Man. It was He-Man. So you know, I heard of He-Man, okay, Masters of the Universe, right? So I had all of the toys, all of the accessories, the, the, the little action figures. We're going to call them action figures. They weren't dolls, okay? Action figures. And then I had, like, the, the pinnacle of this collection was Castle Grayskull, okay? It was, it was a castle that was gray and shaped like a skull, okay? But yeah, exactly. And He-Man got his powers from the castle, from his power sword that he put in the air and said, I have the power. Everything was really straightforward in the 80s, okay? There wasn't, there wasn't any guessing, okay? So I spent a lot, all every day, really, when I first got Castle Grayskull, I spent every day, every day fighting these battles to protect the, the planet of Eternia from Skeletor, right? So, you know, you know. So I spent all my time protecting this planet from Skeletor. But after a while, He-Man needed a break, right? So I gave him a day off. And come back, pretty hot battle going on. Um, 
eventually, he may take a week off, right, or, or a month off. And eventually, there was more of, of He-Man taking off than there was of any kind of battle going on. Okay. And then finally, Castle Grayskull sat in the floor of my closet collecting dust. I'd go in, get my clothes every day, you know, get ready for school, whatever. Sit there. I would see Castle Grayskull every day. For how many of the, us... Is that what our relationship with Christ is like? So not to compare our Savior to some meaningless toy, but we meet Jesus, we're super excited, we want to tell everyone we can come into contact with, we don't care what they think about us, we don't care if it makes it an awkward moment, we want to talk all about Jesus. Slowly, starts to fade away a little bit, Okay, I'll talk to somebody as long as it doesn't make things awkward. And if it does, I'll, I'll, we'll pass. We'll go to the next person, right? And eventually, eventually we get to a point where we're just going through the motion. We show up to church each week, and we see Jesus face to face because he's promised that, that he'll be here, right? We show up here, we see him face to face, and we say... Yeah, I don't really like the music today. It was too loud. It was too soft. It was too fast. It was too slow. It was too old. It was too new. I don't like the preaching. I just wasn't feeling it today. That clock must be broke because it's like 11.02 and he's still going, right? It's time for lunch. We become unimpressed, unimpressed with Jesus, unimpressed with God. Israel did the same thing. You know, I remember all the stories growing up, and over and over and over, God did these amazing things with Israel, and it seemed like the very next chapter, can we just go back to Egypt? You, what did you do, God? You brought us out here so we could die, right? So Psalm 78, 10, 11 says, They did not keep the covenant of God. They refused to walk in his law and forgot his works and his wonders that he had shown them. Isaiah 51, 13 says, And you forgot the Lord your maker who stretched out the heavens and laid the foundations of the earth. These amazing things that God has done, we forget. Deuteronomy 32, 18 says, Of the rock who begot you, you are unmindful and have forgotten the God who fathered you. Here Moses follows up a long list of things God has done for Israel through the generations with this statement. He reminds them that they have turned away from God been distracted by the things of this earth, they begin to worship idols. They forgot who God was. They forgot what he had done for them. How many times did they say, I just want to go back to Egypt? Do we ever get that way? Do we ever get caught up in a situation and say, God, why did you bring me here? What are you doing to me? What did I do to deserve this? Nothing ever goes my way. We just as easily forget what God has done and that he's ultimately in control of everything and he always has our best interest in mind. So what can we do to remember God? Simply turn to his word and be reminded of his promises. 
we must constantly remind ourselves of the glory of God and the redemption he has provided through his son. Romans 5, 10, 11 says, For if we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son. Much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have received the reconciliation. Jeremiah 15, 16 says, Your words were found, and I ate them, and your word was to me the joy and rejoicing of my heart. You want to revitalize your joy? You want to have that spring up within you? Go to the Word. Remind yourself of what Christ has done for you. We must find our joy in the continued assurance of God's promises. And we find His promises in His Word. Another way our joy is taken from us is we just simply get distracted. Our priorities don't make room for joy in our lives. The things we decide are important are not real producers of joy. They may bring us happiness for a season, but it quickly fades away. King Solomon said it best in Ecclesiastes 1.13, I have seen all the works that are done under the sun, and indeed all is vanity and grasping for wind. It's meaningless. Philippians 3.3, 3, for we are the circumcision who worship God in spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh. This world has nothing for you. If our priorities are here and on what's going on here and not what's going on here with our Lord and Savior, then that's when our joy goes missing. The psalmist understood the lack of value in the things of the world in Psalms 119.37. Turn away my eyes from looking at worthless things and revive me in your way. Sometimes we get distracted by what this world has to offer, what this world can potentially do to us, maybe some things that we feel threatened by in this world. For you, maybe it's ridicule. Maybe you feel like someone's going to make fun of you if you talk about Jesus. Or you're going to have these awkward moments. Or maybe it's simply you don't feel like you'll be accepted or be part of the in crowd if you're open about Jesus. For others, their health and the lives of their family legitimately are in danger when they stand for the gospel. For Paul, he knew he would face tribulations as he faithfully preached the gospel. Brother Rich touched on this passage this morning and he talked when he talked about holding back nothing when preaching the gospel. I love what Paul has to say here, Acts 20, 24, but none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself so that I may finish my race with joy in the ministry which I have received from the Lord Jesus. Nothing in the world, not even the threat of death, would move him from his resolve to minister to others about the saving grace of Jesus Christ. And not just minister, but minister with joy. He wanted to finish his race with joy. So how can we combat these distractions in the world, these threats that come upon us? and restore the joy that's been taken away. Now, this might surprise you, but it's simply give testimony. Tell someone about Jesus and what he's done in your life. We get joy by telling others 
about him. As we tell others about Christ, we're reminded of what he has done for us. We go back to that passage in Acts 20, 24 and finish it out. But none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. James 5, 20 says, Let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. In Psalm 51, King David, after experiencing some major distraction in his, in his life, right, asked God to give him back his joy, and as a result, he would tell others about him. He would testify to the ways of God, to his forgiveness, his love, and his salvation. Psalm 51, 12 through 13 says, Restore to me the joy of my salvation, and uphold me by your generous spirit. Then I will teach transgressors of your ways, and sinners shall be converted to you. Give joy and get joy. It's a simple premise. Sharing Christ with others, expressing the joy we have given to us in salvation, that alone will give us joy. But how much joy? Let's go to another simple principle that I love, love so much. Luke 6, 38. Some of you are probably familiar with this. Given it will be given to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken down, and running over will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. For those that may not know, this is a baking Reference. It's talking about getting, you know, flour of the grain or whatever, uh, as much as you can get into the bin. I grew up watching my grandmother's bake, so this makes sense to me. It brings a vivid picture to my mind, but maybe for some of the younger ones, or maybe if you haven't experienced grandma's biscuits, okay, then uh, I'll give you another example. Have you been to a frozen yogurt place? So we have, we have one here in town, right? Frozen yogurt place. Have, and maybe if, if you're younger... You walk in the door, and, and they head right for, like, the, the half-gallon styrofoam bucket of ice cream, right? When they're, but their mom or dad, no, 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 you got to get the small. I'm like, okay, that's, that's okay. Somehow these kids managed to fit four flavors of yogurt, 57 toppings, three syrups, and whipped cream, and a cherry on top in this tiny, tiny container. They're shaking it, beating it down, packing it in there, right? An eight-ounce cup of ice cream ends up costing $14. <laughs> but why are we not like these kids? We should want to cram as much Jesus into our lives as we possibly can. Jesus in and Jesus out. It's an outpouring of what we have in our hearts. So my simple question to you tonight is got joy. Do you have the joy that can only come from the word of life? I'm talking about that saving, put my faith in, free gift of grace relationship with the one and only Son of God kind of joy. Do you have the joy that comes with a continued fellowship with your Savior and Creator? 
back to our original passage, all these things we write to you so that your joy may be full. Are you protecting your joy? Are you remembering your joy? Are you proclaiming that joy? Here's the really good news. If you've got joy, one day you aren't going to have to worry about losing it anymore. John 16:22 says, "Therefore, you now have sorrow, but I will see you again and your heart will rejoice and your joy no one will take from you." If that doesn't give you a settled state of confidence, commitment and hope, I don't know what else will. Y'all stand with me.